0: hello and welcome to modern homemakers i'm leah parker and i'm here with donna otto And we hope that you listen to Donna's very special announcement that was posted earlier today about what the um, ministry, what to look forward to for the next little bit we have with Donna here. So, um, yeah, what are we talking about today, Donna? Oh, we're talking about um, this first semester of podcasting. We're talking about uh, actually a phrase that my grandson used is the key to what the subject is today, being there. Mm And my grandson said, when he was three and a half years old, sitting on the beach in Newport Beach, California, while I was sitting in my chair with my Bible and my books, and he had come out from the beach house to play in the sand, and he noticed there were some children to the left. And he looked at me, and then he looked at them, and I knew what he was thinking. And I said, Sandal, just walk over there. They'll be glad to have you. And he said these words, Come go with me, Nana. Come go with me, Nana. And I was so touched by that, I thought, This little boy understands that walking into a strange situation might be better if someone was with him, someone was being there and being available. Come go with me, Nana. So as we start this new semester, I, I began about seven or eight years ago working on what I thought was the last book I would ever write. Now I don't think I'll write it. That's, that's the good news for me. I'm not sure if it's a good news or not. And maybe as these changes evolve here in the ministry, I will. But the title is Staying in a Leaving Culture. And that came to me when I began to recognize that the women who I primarily meet with, one-on-one, one-on-small group, here in podcasting, um, have this press on them from all places in culture that they can leave, they can change. Let's get a new job, let's get a new house, let's get a new car let's get a new husband, let's get new friends, let's get a new church, let's get a, let's get a, let's get a. And I realized that oftentimes when I would be talking to a woman about some of the issues that she was experiencing in her life, they had to do with the very fact that she hadn't stayed, she had left. And in the leaving, it created, I don't want to say more, but at least equal chaos. To what she perceived the staying was. So I'd like uh, to spend some time together, 10 or 12 different podcasts together, talking about what it means to stay in a leaving culture and what is a Christian. A Christ centered, I seldom use the word Christian because it's been maligned. But what is a home that believes in God, follows after God? What does that home, that Christ centered home, look like if it's a staying place? Staying as a family of God, staying in marriage permanently, staying with the same partner, staying unconditionally to understand your children, is that just sometimes you're mesmerized by it. Yesterday this was the most important thing in the world, and today it's forgotten for something new. Like, it, it, but it happens, doesn't it, with children? It happens with a toy that was their very best, and now they get a new one, or they found something else, and they barely pick up the toy. Maybe there's one item they cling to, but most often there's a movement staying in your own spiritual maturation. What does that look like? Staying in a worshiping home. I can't tell you how many women have said to me, I know my husband's supposed to be the head of the house, but my husband never feels comfortable in leading our family in devotion or reading or worship or all the words you want to use. During COVID, I heard that so much. Should I do it, they say? And I always said, why not? Why not consult with your husband about what part he wants to play? Is he on board with you? Why not? The staying with discipline. It is hard to discipline children and teach them well with a loving acts of what discipline takes. It's one thing to take away something from a child. It's another thing to take away something from a child that isn't over, uh, too great for whatever... Uh, work they've done, they shouldn't have done, whatever tasks they entered into, that whatever event they chose. I was recently with a young woman who told me about something her high school daughter had done, and she spent one and a half minutes telling me what she did, and four and a half minutes telling me what she had taken away from that child because of what she had done, and I thought that that's That's not what discipline looks like. That's not what training and teaching, which discipline is all about. What does family togetherness look like? And what does it mean to stay strong with those of you who have children in their youth? And what about staying at home just staying at home being a family that stays at home so i'm going to talk about these staying topics in the next few weeks Um, it will include your home your parenting your church your community The phone is a modern tool that helps and hinders us, and these seasons that habits are changed and made for our children, we must also learn how to help them endure. And I'm going to begin this series with a lesson on not only being there for your children and family, but also what it means for you to endure to show endurance and to reward endurance in the lives of those people who live in your world. This is holy work, this is holy work. John 14, we find Jesus telling disciples that he is going away to prepare a place for us. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe me, there will be many places for you. And in some way, I want to repeat what Jesus said to the disciples. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in him. Believe in him that he will give you the grace, the generosity, and the skills to continue to build a staying family. I'm praying as you listen to this first show today on being there, and then the series on staying, that you will marshal your strength for things that are yet to come. Would you just stop? So my grandson says, Nana, come go with me. And I want today to remind you that people in your world are all saying, come go with me. God is saying, come go with me your husband is saying come go with me your children are saying come go with me your home is saying pay attention to where you live keep it orderly keep it clean make it hospitable for the people that god will send to come into your home and feel welcomed these are the the stalwarts of what Modern Homemakers has been built on. We live in a culture that has disposable thinking. We practice habits and disciplines that would enlarge a quitter's heart. We want to believe that in this disposable culture that we can help you have the power of saying, staying and the practicality of staying. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And love your neighbor as yourself. There are three places in Scripture that talk about this love for one another and love for self. In John 13, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, it's a very familiar passage to you. I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another so do you have love for one another then in second timothy uh, a passage that begins in the first chapter second timothy and that's toward the end of the new testament chapter 1 verses 15 through 18 and this is a powerful passage Of Paul at the end of his life writing this letter to Timothy and he's being very candid, very candid, very open. And I think when I pause to think about what does it take to be a staying person, I think it takes candor. I think it takes grace to say what you candidly feel. And generosity to the person who you need to express those feelings but this is what Paul says you are aware that all who are in Asia have turned away from me he even lists their names and then he says but I want you to help me do something may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus because and here are a few things that he did he often refreshed me He was not ashamed of my chains, and when he arrived in Rome, he eagerly searched me, and searched for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day, and you know very well how much he has served. Well, I find this very interesting because come go with me means that you're going to be there. You're going to be a part of that little grandchild who's sitting in the beach with me, and I'm his grandmother. I am doing something else. But he's little, and I'm big, and he comes to me, and those big doe eyes of his, and I'm a sucker for him besides, and he says, come go with me, Nana. I can't go over there to those people, those little children who are playing without you. And so what Paul did in his many journeys was he had need of people to come go with him, to be a part of it. And here in this few verses, verses 15 through 18, three verses, he says, they left me. They left me, they turned away from me. That's not staying, is it? That's not being there. Now, you can can say, oh, we don't know the circumstance, but that's true everywhere. When we get ready to leave, when we decide we're not gonna be there anymore, when we decide that staying doesn't matter, we're exiting, we're leaving, and that's what happened. And Paul, now, he's saying the names aloud. I can still remember as a young woman thinking, oh, that's kinda of gossipy, isn't it, for Paul to do that? But Paul was setting the tone here because he wants to say, this is what those guys did, and now these are what these guys did. And I want you to be sure that the house of Vodicephorus is refreshed because he refreshed me. I love particularly, he was not ashamed of my chains. Have you ever had a family member who was arrested? I have. Uh, There's nothing more breathtaking than someone you love in a pair of handcuffs being arrested. And this is exactly where Paul was. He was in prison, in chains. Not because he had done anything wrong, but because he loved Christ. And and Sepphoris was refreshing him. He was not ashamed that he was in jail, jail and that he was in chains. And the last thing he says, and he searched for me until he found me. <laughs> have you ever had that happen? You know, you don't have the number anymore, and you don't have the address anymore, and you don't have the note anymore. And have you had to search for someone until you found them? Or you don't know where your child is, your teenager, who said they'd be back in two hours and it's five hours and you don't know where to search? But what Paul is saying here to, the, to Timothy is, Honus sought me until he found me. And then 2 Chronicles. Uh, second Chronicles I know how are we getting back there I want you to take time if you have time in your schedule to read the second Chronicles chapters 1 through 5 chapters 1 through 5 Elizabeth Elliot always said the fact that I'm a woman does not make me a different kind of a Christian but the fact that I'm a Christian does make me a different kind of a woman and I believe that in Chapter 7 of Second Chronicles, you will find ways to put yourself in a getting there, being there, and staying there position. Getting there, being there, and staying there. Staying is a part of the scripture. Uh, all sorts of places there are these one another's, pray for one another, love one another, accept one another, admonish one another, confess to one another. I I think I did a very light search and found about 29 of these places in the New Testament alone that talks about this being what we are to one another. It's a desire. We have to have a dire desire which springs from a regard for one another. My husband's parents were married for 68 years. It wasn't a happy, holy marriage, but they were committed to one another, and they stayed together for 68 years. And my husband and I often talked as we watched them live out their last years how proud we were that even though there had been great difficulties between them, that in the end they were caring for one another, watching over one another, being together, they were there for one another after 68 years of a commitment they made. I think commitment is the first step. I think that's why a lot of marriage um, ceremonies don't talk about that anymore, because the culture we live in is not a culture that wants to say it and then not do it, they just rather not say it instead of finding what Christ calls us to do. We acknowledge that we need one another, certainly as women. We need one another. Um, remember Hannah in the Old Testament in the book of Samuel, who hasn't a child and wants a child, and her husband Elkanah comes to her and says, Hannah, Hannah, am I not better than ten sons? Huh, no, no, she says you are not. And I would say the same to my husband. You cannot make up, you cannot be what everything that a person wants. You cannot be all of those things, but you can choose, and you can acknowledge your need from one another, and you can choose from your family. Choose from your family. I happen to be a, a woman, now an older woman, who came from a family that uh, was busted early on. My parents were not married when I was born. They got married, they lived together very unsuccessfully for another 10 or 12 years, and by the time I was 13, they were divorced. Um, That was a very uncommon thing in those days. But I remember when at 17 I gave a com- uh, an omission of what I have been doing in life to a co-mission that I would serve Christ. And in that commission, I found a passage in the book of Mark that said, Jesus is asking a group of people, who are my family? Because his family, his mother Mary, his brothers are knocking on the door saying, he's got to stop doing this. He's wearing himself out, like the good Jewish mother who doesn't want their son to do too much Like the good mother who doesn't want their children to do too much. And Jesus says, who are my family? Jesus, in some way, almost sounds sarcastic there. Who are my family? And he says, those who love and do the will of God. Well, I don't have a mother and father. I didn't have brothers and sisters who love Christ. But may I tell you, I am a part of an extraordinary family who loves God and has loved me. So, getting there, being there. Life is lived forward but understood backward, Kierkegaard tells us. And I believe that what <clears throat> Second Chronicles says has a lot to do with that. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name will be there forever and my eyes and my heart will perpetually be there. Do you make that kind of choice when you decide to be A woman who is a full-time mom a full-time homemaker staying there and being there whether you're full-time or not these are important ingredients to the fact that as a mother we care for our children and the more we're available to them the better is our relationship with them so Samuel says Nana come go with me because I am there I have been there and I am staying there. In the next few weeks, we're going to talk a lot more about staying. The first uh, f- first chapters in Chronicles, which I want you to read, talk about Solomon taking over his father's work and the number of people who built the temple and everything that he uh, wants us to know about the seventh chapter and I appreciate the fact if you would open to your Bibles and read and understand what it means to be what Paul is talking about Old Covenant Chronicles chapter seven, Second Chronicles chapter 7 New Covenant Timothy 2nd Timothy chapter 1 will you be there will you be a person who stays who is there who will be counted on? Will you be the kind of person who does the things that God calls her to do? God says that he is the I am, the I am of the burning bush, the I am who will be with us forever. And we are wanting to remind you that this I am is challenging you to be there to be there for your husband if you are a married person, for your children if you have children, for your grandchildren if you have grandchildren, for your great-grandchildren, for the women and men that God may be calling you to mentor, to be there for your local church congregation, to be there for the neighborhood that you live in, that you might be the representative of Christ. That means often to be there means we have to say no to ourselves. The bright morning that morning when little Samuel says, "Nana, come go with me." I was very engaged in my regular morning work. It's godly work. Reading the Bible, studying for teaching, making my journal, etc., etc., etc. Now, it could be easy for me to say, "Samuel, not now." I'm doing God's work. But when we are there for people, when we practice being there as God calls us to be there for a certain few, that means that that individual can count on you, can count on us to be there when we're needed. Now I wanna quickly say, that children can be very manipulative and try to get you to do what they want you to do at any time they want to. As the mom, as the head of house, as a husband, as a father and mother, you have to be the person who understands what the discernment needs in that moment to be there for that child or to help that child grow in their own uh, environment, and into themselves as God is calling them to be. Thank you for joining us today. Being there is a big lifelong subject and I pray that getting there will be easy, being there will be something you want to do, and that as we talk about staying, that you will see staying there matters. Thank you for that. We are modern homemakers with, remember, with the common begin and the uncommon finish So go out and make it an uncommon day by getting there, being there, and hopefully staying there.